Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. I'm going to start off with um, not happy news, but controversial. (laughs) And at the same time, give a shout out to our friend David Raboy. Okay, I know him. I've heard of him. I just spent an hour on the phone with him this morning, but that's sort of, you sort of know him. Um, so I did his podcast this week and wait, wait, are you using our podcast to promote another podcast? Like a competitor? I know. (laughs) Can you cut that? We don't need to share our two or three listeners with anyone else. That's right. (laughs) All right. I'm so, I'm sorry. Continue. This is a little, um, a little sluggish today. I had a long <laughs> week. That's true. Well, go on. Tell us about your your experiences on Dave Reboy's podcast. He's been a guest on our podcast. That's true. That's true. We have to promote each other. Um. So, of all the controversial things that I say and write, which is like on an hourly basis, the response that I got this week from making my argument that Sammy Hagar was the better front man for Van Halen than David Lee Roth. I feel like I lost about like 50,000 followers over that. Like people, that was our discussion. And we've been over this. You can't, you can't say things like that. I I mean, yes. You know, among the controversial things you say, it's hard to beat that. You know, look, if they if they came, if the jackbooted thugs came and knocked at your door right now to put you in prison and it was for saying that Sammy Hagar was a better front man than than David Lee Roth. I mean, no one's going to come and defend you for that. (laughs) You're on your own. We know you've been banging Chris Ray up and the FBI for, you know, three solid years, but (laughs) you crossed a line here. You're going to the gulag. your friends there's only so much they can take julie i mean if you're gonna say that i don't know that is a crime domestic domestic terror crime apparently i don't care i stick by it liz i know i know we disagree but all right (laughs) moving on honk honk let's get to the big news of the week which is who would have ever thought that canada like i was gonna say that like, remember the jokes, oh, we're going to go to war with Canada. Like, who would have thought Canada would step up and, like, launch basically World War III with their trucks? I totally was thinking the same thing. Like, what, every time I see this story, I just say, hmm, you know, who, who would have thought it would be the Canadians? Um, but but here they are. And they are, they are not, they're not fucking around. You know, they're very serious. And I give them a lot of, of of props for this because they seemingly have found a way to peacefully protest their government and the government can't really do anything about it. A boot it, if you will. A boot. A boot it. What are they going to do? They can't move the trucks. They tried to get tow trucks to come in. First of all, you can't just call AAA to to, to move like a semi truck, right? You can't call like 1-800- triple a you got to call a special tow truck that deals in big in large trucks so they they thought they could call the large tow trucks and those guys are like get fucked (laughs) those are my friends and so then they joined them so really this is just such an amazing an amazing happening and you can tell how serious it is because Last week, go fi- earlier this week, I, I can't even keep the timeline straight because there are so many things happening with this. But the GoFundMe, they had raised $10 million, had been raised through GoFundMe to support their efforts. I mean, these people are living in the cabs of their trucks. They are blocked in and they're blocked in. So somebody in the middle can't be like, oh, I think I'm done. I'm out of here. You can't they can't really move They're there's just rows and rows of trucks, but they had raised all this money. And then Go, GoFundMe decided we are going to take that money and give it to someone else. Like literally thieve or thieves, like steal that money because they did not like what the trucker, the, the Freedom Convoy 2022, which is what it's called. They did not like that. So they decided to steal the $10 million that were raised for these truckers 
And that, of course, led to a huge public backlash. And so they decided that they would just refund people, but they wouldn't give the money to the truckers. I mean, just- go fund me. You are a piece of shit. You are a fucking piece of shit. I will never nope. give money through GoFundMe again. That's that's all I'm saying. And then so they switched, and this happened with January 6th defendants too. GoFundMe deplatformed any fundraising that they were trying to do. So they went to this Christian fundraising site called Give, Send, Go, which has been very accommodating. But apparently, and you would know this because you're following it more closely, they froze, what, $8 million now that was collected by Give, Send, Go? No, give what this is what they did with give send go. Give send go is was right. So a court in Ottawa ruled or don't ask me how they think they have any sort of uh, authority over um, an American company. Give send go is not a Canadian company. But in Ontario, a court said that the money that had been raised through give send go could could not be given to them. Like, it's like if I went and said somebody in, like, another country couldn't go to the grocery store. To get, it's like, what authority do I have right. over an entity that is not even in my country? And so this court in Ontario ordered that all the money, and I think they had raised again, again, up, I think it was like $8 million. Yeah. And they had said that they were prohi- prohibiting that money from being halted. Okay, so... Give, send, go was like, hi, go fuck yourself. You have no authority over us, which is the right answer. But the problem is that the Canada banks, right, the court does have control over the Canadian bank. So if they're a bank, if they're getting money from a Canadian bank, if the money was going to be dispersed through a Canadian bank. Why do you sound Canadian all of a sudden? Like you seriously sound Canadian. I'm like, how can you say that? I don't know. I you just I, you just morphed into a Canadian right, right. then and there. You're like bink. Can't bink. take it from the bink. It's a. I didn't take say off, it like Canadian says it. Take oh my off, god, I'm poser. having flashbacks to South Park. Blame Canada oh. right now. <laughs> my gosh. Blame I'm sorry. Canada. I just Remember had to that? interject there. Go ahead. <laughs> but so the question is now, what's going to happen? Like to that money, because, again, if they need to trans- transmit it to a Canadian financial institution, I hope I said that without the Canadian accent, um, you know, they can just hold it. They can just hold it. Um, it's very disturbing to see what is going on here with these governments that don't like it when their dirty, filthy casuals get out of line. Um, and that's the same thing that could happen in the U.S. too. I mean, it, it happens without a court here. Like you had mentioned earlier that GoFundMe decided they didn't want anyone on January 6th to be able to raise money. So they just wouldn't allow it. So they, we don't our, our woke people are woke enough not to even need a court order. You know what I mean? They'll, they, do, they do it on their own. Um, just like they, they kick off people that they don't causes that they don't like YouTube kicks off videos that they don't like um, bank banks, close bank accounts of people that they don't like PayPal, you know, same thing. That's right. They'll cut you off. Um, so at least in Canada, they, you know, had a bank, do, they had a court say it and not the actual financial institution. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but I don't think that they're It's going to, it's going to work. I don't think it's going to stop. And the media, of course, is constantly, constantly talking about how these people are insurrectionists. It's like, oh, they're so fucking lazy, Julie. You know they're what I mean? So lazy and just cheap. They're just so dense. Can't you come up with another word? They're insurrectionists. They're racist. They're violent. There's been no the only violence that I know of involved in this was when some Antifa person like ran over a bunch of of the truck supporters. Well, Liz, there was the one guy who was hit by the truck and then fell in front of Oh, that slipped. Didn't he slip? (laughs) You got it. It's that icy and snowy. Well, no, it was like set up. Like the truck was moving and the guy was like, it was like crisis actor. Maybe it was Michael Fanone, Officer Fanone, who went and pretended. Little money on the side. Going up injured. to do some spot work. But I did see a video of the police beating that old man. I don't know if you saw that. That was another yeah. 
supporter. So um, very similar to some of the things that we're seeing here in the in the U.S., where the government does now look. I don't know any. I don't know anything really about Canada, so I don't really know the specifics of their government. Right. I'm assuming they probably don't have like a First Amendment in Canada. Well, they obviously don't because we do know from Jordan Peterson that they do have compelled yeah, speech in good Florida. So, but these people are peacefully protesting, <clears throat> which is in a way something a lot of people say that they support. You know, it, it's not controversial for people to go out and peacefully protest or, or object or make their um, opinions known. And yet the government of Canada is flipping out the president of what, whatever, Justin Trudeau. Someone called him Justin Trucesco, like Ceausescu. Just kind of funny was the Romanian dictator that was a butcher. Um, well, wait, okay, but what about the Fidel Castro? What he is also the child, the love child of Fidel Castro, allegedly, but probably. Um, so I'm sure that it's blood, you know, it's in the his blood. Um, he was fled Ottawa as soon as the the truckers started heading there because he's a coward and a chicken. He also has a history of you know blackface, several. Appearance yeah. in, in blackface, um, but that's fine because you are allowed to um, do that if you're a, a leftist. And he refused to talk to the truckers. He did not want to talk to them. He said that they were racist because that's what they say. Like that, it's just. I'm telling you, Julie, I, the, I feel like this is the the. A, another setup where they have some media that take pictures of certain things and then they blast it all over. So there's a yeah. picture of somebody with a Confederate flag. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is a fucking Confederate flag doing in, in, in Ottawa? Like, what does that mean to a Canadian? They you know actually I mean? now are claiming that QAnon is yes. influencing the truckers. Like I said That's that on another. Tim pool a couple of yeah. weeks ago as a joke. And then it's legit a thing now. QAnon is influencing the Freedom Convoy. You you look, it's the same thing. It's the same playbook. It's racists, it's a Confederate flag, and it's QAnon. Over <laughs> and over. That's all they have. Whenever you there's a a public uprising, a po- some kind of populist uprising uh, about draconian laws and restrictions, the playbook is okay, racist okay QAnon okay Confederate flag seriously and you notice that I did hear that there were QAnon people there but obviously someone reported that you know someone report some media person said oh there's QAnon there well that's interesting so why didn't you go up and talk to the QAnon person or the Confederate flag why didn't you go up and do a job as a journalist and say hey there Mr. Confederate flag what what's what's what are you thinking? What say thought? you? What say yeah, you like, about the Confederacy? Please explain. Exactly. Or ask the QAnon guy, like, what's going on here? And like, how is QAnon related to this? Why? Because they don't do it because they know that they're probably not real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for sure. The one guy there with the Confederate flag, he had like a mask on. He had a hat on. I mean, it was just really like you couldn't tell who he was. He was hiding his identity. But you know, again, why don't we go and get some conversation? Why not just ask them what's going on? But they don't. They just say, oh, they got a picture and they're just going to run with it. And so and, and now we have lefty blue check marks and governors like Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan and Jen Psaki, of course, and others speaking out about how tyrannical this is of the truckers and. Then you had this doozy of a tweet by Juliet KM. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yes. She was in the Obama-Biden administration. Now what is she with? uh, She a Harvard professor. You know, all the credentials. She's she's a Harvard professor and working at the New York Times or something. Yeah, that makes one just uniquely stupid, right? So she has all of those credentials. So here's her tweet. The convoy protest applauded by right wing media as a freedom protest in, in scare quotes is an economic and security issue. Now, the Ambassador Bridge link constitutes 28 percent of annual trade movement between U.S. and Canada. Slash the tires, empty gas tanks, arrest the drivers and move the trucks. OK, you know, um, 
somebody pointed this out yesterday and it did give me just a bit of a chuckle, which is like, it's really hard to move a truck like that when you've slashed their tires. And right. How are you going to move a truck if it has no tires? But I mean, this this is just the stupidity. Okay, she is a CNN analyst, too. So she really has. We know, she, we know, we know who she is. We get we, it. We know you. Funny. Yeah. So, but why is someone like this dunce? Why is she so offended? Is she not getting something from the Canadian border that she needs? No. Um, then she came back and tried to walk it back. Earlier today, I tweeted something that has been used by others to suggest I was promoting vigilantism. <laughs> Please. Literally says slash their tires and take their gas. Right. I was not. People have the freedom to protest. Governments have the responsibility to protect public safety. There we go. Protect the public. That's what it's all about. That was what I intended to do. Of course, she got roasted for that, too. So a little encouraging. They, they, there's no public danger. Nobody is being hurt or damaged by these protesters. In fact, I saw a video this morning of a business owner in downtown Ottawa say he said he was concerned. He owns a gym. He's a black, a black gentleman. Um, I don't say African-American because he's Canadian. Because um, you're a Canadian white supremacist. Right, exactly. Um, but he was taught do it did a video where he talked about how he went and talked to these people and that he totally supports them and that you know he did his business hasn't suffered and that there's been no adverse effects from this protest so you know it's just another excuse for governments to quell a popular uprising instead of saying well why are the people upset they are not they don't care why the people are upset and that's why that Juliet Kasem doesn't doesn't care. Like it's fine to slash their tires. Now, remember the same people that are talking about how dangerous this these parked trucks are with that are honking were perfectly fine with Antifa members jumping on cars, beating people, mm-hmm. blocking the roads, um, you know, burning things. They were fine with that. That's fine. That wasn't any kind of security threat, but you're unsafe. Uh, when a bunch of truckers are gathered together and parked on the street with their truck. So well, it's it's the same freaking thing. It's lather, rinse, repeat. It's racism. It's public safety. It's Confederate flag. It's QAnon. I'm sure Me Too will pop in there somehow. You know, maybe women are. I mean, people are literally getting raped at Occupy Wall Street and the media didn't say a damn thing about it. <laughs> So right. like those Wall- Occupy Wall Street encampments down in um, in, du- in uh, Zuccotti's, whatever the name of that square is in New York. So they don't really care about the things that they say they do. They just use it. So low information listeners and readers will just kind of pick up on it like a slogan and kind of re- and repeat it like a mantra, like a religious mantra where they just chant it over and over again. That's what they're hoping. So. Right. Um, but the. There's rumors there's going to be a convoy here in the U.S. So what do you think about that, Julie? I'm down with it. Where would they go? To D.C.? Well, some people are some people have said that they might start at the Super Bowl. I guess there's a Super Bowl this weekend. I don't watch football. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard there is. Yeah, really. There's a Super Bowl. Um, and in, I think it's in L.A., which is great because LA is like new Jack city. It's disgusting. Um, and so they people have said they would start from LA. I've heard, I've heard others say that they might come to DC for the spate of the union, which I would counsel against that counsel yeah. against coming to DC yeah. for that. Um, because yeah, because well, I don't know that we need it, Liz, because this week, Apparently the pandemic is over, um, just like that. So that's true. It's it's amazing what some bad polling results and focus group results can do to a Chinese virus. Like it's, it's science. I obviously polling data is the science. It's that that there. I don't know how many states. Like eleven states suddenly just dropped all their mask mandates. Yes. Like 
suddenly, I know in Nevada, Governor Sisolak, who's a clown, if you're listening, fuck you, he <laughs> suddenly dropped the mask mandate for Vegas and for Nevada, but Vegas and the and the schools right away. And I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that Catherine Cortez Masto is about to lose her Senate seat in Nevada. Right. Um, she's on the, and she's yeah. vulnerable, right? Or Very what? vulnerable. They're okay. all, it's going to be another bloodbath. It's going to be another bloodbath because um, people are angry about not just the restrictions, but the clear abuse of power, you know, and the hesitancy for, authorities and elected officials to to dial it back right there's never been an exit ramp on this good point. you know right we're always told that it's the next terrible thing is around the corner and i think people are just are sick of it especially because some of the science has come out or or studies have come out and showed that the masks well well basically our authorities came out and said well, you know, those masks that we've been making you wear for two years, it's going to really stop anything. Um, you really need an N95 mask or the KN95 mask to stop right. anything. So it's like, again, just another another reason for people who aren't unhinged, because there's a small cohort of Karens, you know, they are never budging. You know, the ones who say, I think I'm just going to wear a mask forever. I think it's so awesome. And there are people like that who feel that they're safer if they just wear a mask for all eternity. But so those people you can't they're not you're not going to do anything about. But the people who like follow the the scientific authorities and the public health officials and have trust in them, they okay, well, I'll I'll do this. I'll do this. And they find out for two years now we're using this paper mask that that don't really do anything at all. And it's like people are stop listening now to this. The ones who immediately weren't skeptical like us. who We knew already that, you know, this is probably a clown operation from the start. And also, I just think parents are just completely sick of watching their kids suffer eight hours a day in useless masks. They're miserable. I mean, my daughter's in one. This was her first week without having to wear a mask in Illinois. And she said the kids were just so thrilled. And she heard one boy behind her say, I can finally smile today. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's not even sick. It's 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 even more than just it's uncomfortable. I I have to wear a mask when I fly. And right. now that we have a Republican um, elected officials here in Virginia, that we don't have the mask mandate anymore. We would have to wear a mask and when I went to the grocery store and I really hated it. It's very it's uncomfortable for me. It's hard to breathe. It's just all around it's it's uncomfortable but there are children who are actually have learning disabilities and yep. can't get if you're deaf what do you do and you're a lip reader you okay what about children that have speech issues those kids can't see people's mouths move i mean there's such a yep. such a, a sequence of consequences that nobody thought about you know, about what the depression would do to people, what the isolation would do to people, you know, and, and was that greater or less in the threat from this virus? Those questions were never asked. And people are just sick of dealing with the consequences of these policies that are just reckless with well, no without any regard for their well-being. Go ahead, Julie. Jesse Kelly, I know you saw this. Um, and we're not going to shout out Jesse Kelly's podcast on top of everyone else's. Like, why don't we just give away our whole audience while we're at it? But he. Yeah, we're not going to tell you where you can find Jesse Kelly's podcast. So no, we're not. We're not we're doing not. that. It's, we're not doing that. You will have to do the four second Twitter search on your own. Yeah. people. <laughs> Stop being so lazy. We can't do all your work for you. So um, but he had he posted a tweet and said, I want to cover this on my show. Tell me your stories, the worst stories that happened to you under lockdown. And it, the posts are barely readable, right, without wanting to just go on a, a stabbing rampage of the people who did this. And the most heartbreaking ones, in my opinion, um, and we've talked a lot about the kids, but elderly people in nursing yeah. homes or people dying in hospitals who were prevented not by Anthony Fauci or Deborah Burks or Robert Redfield or, you know, uh, Scott Gottlieb. 
the usual villains, right? The real villains of this. But people working in those places, doctors, nurses, workers in hot, I mean, what are you going to say about nursing home? There's a lot of nice nursing homes though, but, or any kind of senior care facility that were outright prevented from even having a spouse hold their spouse's hand is that husband or wife is dying of cancer. These people, I can't even, I will never fully say what I hope happens to them. But yeah. it was just your average, it was just your regular person too, who got, there was no reason to do that. Why would you ever prevent someone from seeing their, I mean, these people were withering away in nursing homes and this was the the medical term, failure to thrive. Yeah, That's the kind of shit that kids in third world countries die of because there's no food. You know, they're not getting vitamins. They have no nutrition. That happens in other countries. That doesn't happen to senior citizens, the most vulnerable population, right? That That's not allowed. So it's not even that they lied about what happened in nursing homes, the deaths. It, it, it is the inhumane nightmare that went in, went on in nursing homes for over a year, 18 months, I think. I think some of them shut down again. Oh, terrible. And and not just that these pe- pe- people were kept from their families to go visit, which, as you probably know, the people in nursing homes and, and in hospice, they do much better when they have regular visitors. So you, you right. cut them off. But also, how many people couldn't have funerals for their loved ones? Mm-hmm. I, I I would be in jail if someone tried that with me. You know what I mean? Like if they, I, I don't even know what I would do. Uh, but the cruelty, the cruelty of cutting people yeah. off from things like being with someone as they pass, going to visit a elderly relative that has medical problems or Alzheimer's, and then not being able to have a funeral for them, and not being able to have the people go and celebrate, you know, the last thing you do for someone is is to have a funeral where people can go and like, in a way, the, you celebrate their lives. You know, the people right. that show up, remember, it's like a, a important ritual. And to deny someone that final thing, you know, that final gesture where people can go and I don't know. I mean, they obviously are, are gone. They they aren't aware of it. But just the closure, it, it it's cruel. It was just beyond cruel. You know, and for what? You know, and for what? I don't know. You know, did it save anybody? Did pe- no. were people saved? I, I, I you know, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know if we can say that. Well, and now what's also infuriating is there were people saying from the very beginning, and of course, this was the basis of the Great Barrington Declaration, which was just condemned, mocked, 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 condemned, uh, you know, scorned as anti-science. But that was the basis of that, right, is that protect the vulnerable, let everyone else live, because there are devastating side effects, consequences of what we're doing. Um, This is what people like Scott Atlas and others have been saying from the very beginning. And when he went to the White House in the fall of 2020, you know, you had this wretched, horrible dummy, Deborah Burks, who I know you just get infuriated because you've read Atlas's book about her, um, undermining him, stabbing in the back every chance he got, every chance she got. But he was saying the same thing. He was talking out about the cancer screenings that were going undetected. That was another thing in Jesse's threat that just made me nauseous is people who were diagnosed with cancer or had cancer before March of 2020. And then basically their treatments were shut down, right? So their chemo, radiation, everything, or even treatments, you know, mitigating their own side effects from those treatments, everything is shut down. They go back for what, a screening six months later? Too late. Well, and also think of the people that didn't get their diagnostics to catch something early. Right. Right. I mean, people were terrified to go to the doctors because they thought they would get COVID there. If you could even find a doctor that would see you. I mean, there's a limited amount of help a doctor is on a video call. Right. They can't examine you. Nope. I, I mean, at some point you you need to give your blood to someone if there's no one to take it for, you know, a diagnostic, then what then what are you going to do? So there's people that weren't diagnosed with things 
early. There are people that were in the middle of something that were shut down or it was called elective surgery, you know, like like a heart transplant or stint or something like that's elective surgery or something like that. I mean, there's just was such a tremendous cost to this. And it was very clear from the start that Trump was taking his marching orders from people who only cared about one thing. And that was power. <laughs> and secondarily, like, tr- I guess trying to stop the virus at all costs, although, you know, it isn't clear that that any of the things they did have a historical success. I mean, we've never shut the healthy people up. We've always shut the sick, fragile people up, but not the healthy people. <clears throat> right. So just from the start, it was it, the I don't even know what the consequences are going to be of this. Um, I'm hoping that we're done, you know, with this and that we're not going to have a a break and then it's going to come back. Like we're going to have a new variant and it's going to be back and we're going to shut things down. And, you know, I don't think so. I, I really don't. I mean, maybe in, you know, the blue states like where I live, fortunately, in other states, maybe they'll get away with that again. I just, because what's going to happen, Liz, is these kids, like, here in Illinois, the schools that are allowing their kids to go back in mass, and it is still a huge issue. And what's funny is it's an issue in these white, upper-middle-class suburbs like Naperville, Hinsdale, basically all of your high schools, and you know where this is, DuPage County, which is western suburbs of Chicago, where I grew up, that's where I started my political career, used to be solid red, right? Now it's just filled with these stupid, bored, privileged white women who somehow who get their science from, you know, the view or God knows what, Daily Mail. And these schools in these more affluent areas are separating kids who won't wear a mask, separating them in the gym. Like, and this is what parents in these areas are tolerating. Luckily, our school didn't our school district did not do that. Um, And it's not like I mean, we're we're in a pretty affluent area as well, but didn't. And, um, you know, the kids the kids went back. So I don't know. But what's going to happen is nothing's going to happen. Right. So you have a huge high school where my daughter goes to. It's like, I don't know, thirty eight hundred kids, not including teachers. The masks are going to be off. And there's not going to be this huge, massive outbreak of coronavirus. So then what do you say? Well, we having been through two years of this, we have a lot of data available um, about different states, different policy decisions to compare, to see, you know, what was effective and what wasn't effective. You you know, it's, it's just a matter of crunching numbers. You know, you can compare Florida or Texas or Arizona to New York or California or Illinois. I mean, you it's possible to to do that. And I don't think that we're going to see see that at all. I don't think we're going to see anybody talk about how there's basically almost no difference between locking everything down, masking up kids, making kids go to remote learning, which is basically not learning at all. Um no. and and whether that was a better health policy than having kids go to school. Like not, I mean, again, putting aside the comp, the difference between basically having kids not go to school for almost two years. Right. Yeah. Cause that's what, that's what the remote learning is not going to school. Um, I do wonder what will be the long-term consequences for this next generation, the generation of like, let's say, I don't know, like maybe five or six, six years to 18 years that started in, you know, 2020 with the pandemic. Yeah. What are, are what is going to be the political consequences? Like, how has this experience shaped their political leanings and um, their view to government? You know, do you think that they hate the government? Do they hate them for these restrictions? Um, do you think it's taught them to be more compliant? Are they more likely to go along with what they're told? by an authority? What do you think, Julie? I mean, I think that's an interesting question. And since I have two daughters who are right, you know, uh, in that age group when all of this was torn away. And I mean, my family, we did not suffer really any 
anything. I mean, nothing compared to what people have gone through. If anything, I hate to say it, like the extra time with my daughters, especially my college daughter, I view as a gift. And I hate saying that I'm not, I would not, because I was against this from the beginning. So I don't have to explain myself. Like I don't sound, I mean, my first piece about opposing the initial lockdowns was how this was going to isolate people. So we didn't go through anything like that. Right. But my daughters still had those two years or at least a year and a half ripped away from the middle of their high school, you know, years and middle of college years. So I don't know. My daughters are so much like me anyway, politically. So I don't, how is this going to manifest? I don't think that we'll know. They have brainwashed friends, especially my daughter who's in college. Um, but even they're waking up to, wait, why did we do this? Why were we forced to take a vaccine that now is screwing up my period? Like, how do I know that what was in it? Because next, as you know, Liz, next inevitably is going to be no more forced vaccines. They're not working. We don't need them. That is going to be the next revelation after masks is finally the truth will come out about this quote unquote vaccine, which is not a vaccine. So how this generation, basically Gen Z, is going to react down the road when they come to the full realization of what was taken away from them or what they were, um, you know, alienated from. Uh, I, I don't know. I would hope it would radicalize them and they would destroy the institutions who did this to them. Um, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I would think like your daughter, since they're older and, you know, we, we've always are talking about our high school years and our college years, um, here about how important they were to us. I can't imagine someone who is robbed of high school, parts of high school, your, your prom, homecoming, any of those milestones that you have in high school and then in college going into college as a freshman, you know, that experience where you don't know anybody, where you, you know, you're picking, you know, where your dorm, you're decorating your dorm, you're going to different events. To have that taken away, you know, for these older kids, like the ones that are your age, it has to be, they have, I, I want to hope that they're devastating. I mean, the vaccines are a totally separate thing, just the lot, the, just the changing of that. I mean, the vaccine thing, I think, I've read some places are getting rid of the vaccine mandate. Have have you seen that, Julie? Some of the I states? have seen that. Yes. Yep. So um, I, I don't which is fine. I mean, I think they've hit the, the wall anyway. You know what I mean? Like it, everybody knows there's vaccines. And if you want them and you want to get boosted, you can. Right. So. Right. There's really not, they've had lotteries and given away things. And, you know, it's just they you hit the wall. You know, this is it. This is all the people that are vaccinated. Um, so but that as well, that requirement of having things taken away from them, not being able to go in New York, especially you can't even go into a restaurant or something. And in D.C. here you have like a whole bunch of papers. You have to basically turn over like a portfolio to, to a restaurant to go into it in Washington, D.C. Um, so as this stuff goes away, I think more people are not going to let it happen again. And what's scary is how easily they did let it happen. You know, a yeah. lot of us at the beginning, like you mentioned, the Great Barrington um, Accord, which was full of of scientists, right? It wasn't just like Liz and Julie on Twitter going, I don't think this is a good idea. These are like actually credentialed virologists, scientists, epidemiologists saying, you know, it's terrible to lock things down. And they were mocked and and people were so quick to just go along with it. I mean, I think that's one of the scariest things of all is how easy people went along with it. And then, of course, the army of Karens that came out of it, like you mentioned, the people in your in your neighborhood. And obviously, I live in northern Virginia and we have many of those here as well. The mass police, just how how people just took to that right away. The authoritarian yeah. stuff. It's scary. Um. So what else do we have? This what? Well, not that it's a, always a busy week, but um. That that was, and I I don't think it's going to save the Democrats. I really don't think. I think it's too late for them, which is great. Um. I think a lot people of these will not governors. Forget. People are not this isn't just like some stupid inside wonky bill that the Democrats voted for that no one cares about. You know, this is totally different. So you're right. And the White House is 
the White House is out chastising the states for getting rid of the mandates. You know, Jen Psaki was out there saying, oh, they, she thinks it's premature. Um, you know, so they haven't learned anything. Meanwhile, um, you know, Biden's doddering along. Uh, we have record inflation. Again, we just got some inflation numbers yesterday. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about how, that. How high, um, just a tremendous increase in goods. They said, I think the official number was something like 7.5%. But I don't believe that. I think that's low. Um, as <clears throat> someone who buys grocery groceries, I feel like that's definitely low. Have you noticed a big increase where you are on just your daily gross, you know, your weekly groceries? Yes. Yeah. And I don't really get sticker shock that much, but I, you know, I get groceries and I'm like, how do people with big families on, you know, limited incomes, uh, how are they affording this food? And of course it translates into everything too. Even going out to eat at restaurants, the prices are insane. Because yeah. not only are they dealing with inflation and high energy, they can't hire workers, right? Nobody wants to work. So if you're in the restaurant industry or retail, you're hit again because you've got to offer wages that are much higher. So you get the slackers that the regime, Biden regime has helped create. Um, and Trump, too. I mean, this was part of, you know, passing out trillions of dollars under COVID justification. And so they can't get workers. They have to hire pay higher wages. They're getting hit in energy costs, the, the supply chains, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, where does this end? And then Lester Holt, there was a big interview with Biden this week, which was just embarrassing. Um, I love how they have roasted Marjorie Taylor Greene for days over saying gazpacho instead of Gestapo. But you have the president who literally cannot put two coherent sentences together. He replied, to, he referred to the supply chain as the reply, supply change. No one says mm -hmm. anything, right? He just get away with it. But Holt said, you said back in July that the inflation would be temporary and some people are asking, what's your definition of temporary? Well, of course, Biden gets his Irish up. You're being a wise guy. I understand that's your job. Um, but then, of course, failed to explain what he was going to do to curtail inflation, said he's going to work like the devil on it. I don't even know what yeah. that means. But look, Liz, <laughs> you and I have talked about this. This is what the left wants. This is the this is the objective of the climate movement. <clears throat> they want high energy prices. That's right. They want high meat prices. They want fossil fuels and meat and things like that priced out of the market entirely. So this is what they want. That's why Biden's not doing anything. That's why you don't hear AOC complaining on behalf of middle class people about prices. They want this. Yeah, gas is <clears throat> gas has really, really gone up. So they must be thrilled about that. And so there isn't going to be <clears throat> any effort, excuse me, <clears throat> from Biden to actually bring the fuel costs down for people because they that you are right. They want people to not drive. They don't want people to buy cars. And cars, of course, are extremely the the <clears throat> the, the price of used cars has massively yeah. gone up. Yeah. Um just massively gone up. And I'd like to point out no, an, another thing that Obama did to really hurt the sort of middle and lower class um, economic economically was when they did cash for clunkers and they just destroyed all these old cars. Well, I mean, how many people need an old car just to get to a job? You know, if you're if you're just down on your luck and you just need something to get keep going or for a middle class family to get another car for their kid or all of those cars were just taken completely out of circulation. So that forced people to buy new newer cars. That was another uh, economic burden on them. And now you fast forward and you have tremendous gas prices. Used cars are through the roof um, to, to get that. So you are right. I mean, this is definitely like a backdoor Green New Deal thing with all this in, with this inflation and this intentional inflation since we all knew this was going to happen the question is can it can it be reversed um can we can the economy correct and considering we we don't have a chance at the white house for another two years mm -hmm. <clears throat> we may be able to take the senate and the house 
back in the fall of this year, but that's no guarantee of anything useful either. No, because um, the Biden regime acts like there is no, con- I mean, right. They just go around them. It doesn't, they don't need it. Well, they certainly came in with a lot of executive orders reversing um, many of the things that Trump did that really helped the economy rev up. Because when Trump came into office, he did not have a good economy. The economy wasn't rebounding. We'd had the slowest recovery ever from a recession under Obama. We were not, it wasn't turning around. And Obama likes to go around and say that, you know, Trump came in and just skated on the coattails of his awesome economy. But that's not true. So when Biden came over, he immediately reversed all of the things Trump did to make the, you know, that gave us such a great and booming economy, low unemployment, um, record levels of unemployment in the country, terrific growth. Then Trump basically like stepped on a rake, you know, hit himself in the head when he adopted the virus shutdown. And here we are. You know, the question is, can we turn this around? Is there a way to turn it around? at least with just the House and the Senate saying no, refusing to, um, you know, give Biden any legislation. But then Biden, you know, people aren't aware of what percentage of policy and regulation comes from an unaccountable bureaucracy. You know, a lot of this stuff isn't even go through Congress. Mm-hmm. We like to right. think, oh, Congress makes the laws. Well, yeah, they kind of do, but... There's a lot of people making judgment calls that work in a bureaucracy. You don't know their names. You didn't vote for them. And they are making decisions about regulations that really adversely affect. So I don't know what I don't I don't know what's going to happen. What do, do you have any do you have any ideas, Julie, that we could send along to our elected <laughs> official friends? Like maybe you should do leadership? this. Yeah, I mean. I, I think just doing anything in Washington or hoping anything is going to happen in Washington is basically futile. We just go to the states. They keep fighting. We've got Ron DeSantis. Now you've got Glenn Youngkin. I think we're going to have other Republicans emerge in some of these other states as leaders. Um, so, no, I, I don't have any hope that anything is going to change in the short term because the Republican leadership just does not have the stones to do it. No, they I think you're right. I think you're right, which is really sad because that means, you know, a lot of people, especially the middle class is in for a rough ride. And there's a lot of young people. I think if we look at the big picture and so many of our elected officials don't look at the big picture, but there are consequences for this newer, younger generation. Let's say, you know, the 18 to 35 year olds that, you know, many of them can't get a good job. You know, the the divide between the asshole going to work for Google and starting at $250,000 a year and then somebody who's just graduated and can't get any kind of job at all, um, that there that's a huge divide. So there's, again, more a few of people who are going to young people that have really good jobs and a lot of young people that can't get jobs that are, you know, uh, or allow them to sort of go up, climb up that ladder of the American dream, so to speak. So young people are now priced out of the housing market. So they can't yep. have houses. Nope. They're s- saddled with student debt and they can't kind of go up the adult ladder. And what happens when people are that alienated from the country and they have such hatred and distaste for the policymakers is this is just rife for political violence. You know, this it is. This is when people yep. start to to take shit to the streets because they have nothing else to do. You know, so many pe- one of the things people ask me is, you know, wh- why aren't doesn't the right go out on protests all the time like the left? You know, especially here in D.C., used, even pre-corona, there's a protest every week about something or other. I didn't even know what it was. You don't really take it in anymore when I would go in the city. I'm like, oh, there's signs. Oh, there's someone dressed up right. like a bear. I don't know what it's for. Whatever. <laughs> it was always going on. People are always out. And it's always the left. It's almost never a right wing cause. You know, the, our 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 protests and events are few and far between. You know, we like the March for Life, you know, maybe maybe that then that's once a year. And that's pretty much it. But part of the reason is people on the right have a lot. They they have a lot to lose. They don't go out because they have families, they have kids, they have obligations on the weekends. They can't just drop what they're doing and hit the streets and protest or something. Um, but what happens when you have a large chunk of society that doesn't have anything to lose, like a house or a job or a family? They don't have like a higher sense of responsibility. Like I need to make sure that 
I can support, help support my family and we can make our house payment and we can, you know, make sure our kids see a good example. When you have a large number of people that are not in that paradigm anymore, that you got a problem on your hands. You got a problem on your hands. So that, and I think that that's coming, unfortunately. Well, let's talk, let's pivot real quick to the other big controversy of the week, which is where was Kamala Harris on January 6th? Where in the world is Kamala Harris? Where in the world? That's a game show. Okay, this story is crazy, right? So just the backstory, and then we'll get to the real scandal. Um, DOJ is prosecuting hundreds of Americans uh, on numerous charges related to tied to their claim, DOJ's claim, that Kamala Harris <clears throat> was in the Capitol building on January 6th. The basis for the idea for their the, the premise uh, that the building was closed or restricted to the public is because two Secret Service protectees, Kamala Harris as the incoming vice president and Mike Pence as the then vice president, both had Secret Service protection. This means automatically the building was restricted. Anybody who walked in, anybody who engaged in disorderly conduct, whatever, was committing a crime, even though they're misdemeanors. But this was the premise. So all of a sudden, it's and this is not discovered. Kamala Harris gave interviews in January uh, in January of 2021 saying she was not in the building during the protest. Right. But this has not stopped DOJ from repeatedly lying, not just to federal judges in criminal complaints that are signed by FBI agents, investigators to defendants themselves and their attorneys, but presented to a grand jury as evidence of these crimes. This has there's probably thousands of official documents with this claim that Kamala Harris was in the Capitol building during the protest. So then it comes to light, thanks to Politico, an article in Politico in November that, hey, there's a discrepancy here because these claims are presented in court. They're in charging documents, but it's not true. Here's Kamala's interview from January saying that she wasn't there. In November, a prosecutor actually has to tell the chief judge of the D.C. District Court, which is overseeing the now 730-some-odd cases related to January 6th, had to tell the judge when she was, you know, berating some defendant how Kamala Harris had to flee the building. The prosecutor said, well, judge, actually, oops, sorry. Um, We just recently found out that that's not true. So instead of Beryl Howell as the head of this district court that's handling all of these and sending people off to jail for parading in the Capitol, instead of, you know, upbraiding them for for lying to the court and misleading her, obviously, into believing this was true, of course, she says nothing. Then it comes out. So now they're trying to correct those indictments. Then it comes out, Liz, Kamala Harris not only was not in the Capitol building, she was at the headquarters of the Democratic National Committee, which is just a little southeast of the Capitol building, the same building where Capitol Police, quote unquote, allegedly found a pipe bomb. So this no one has known for over a year. Yeah, I mean, here's my take on this. I would think that where Kamala Harris was located on January 6th would be one of the very first questions that the authorities tried to get an answer to, right? When this is going, right? Where is the incoming vice president? So the idea that they say that she was inside the the Capitol and then they find out and pretend later that they didn't know she was really at the DNC is strange credulity. You know what I mean? There's literally no way they did not know where Kamala Harris no, was. No, no way. Which means that they were intentionally misrepresenting where she was so they could jack up the charges against these against these people also isn't there an issue about where pence was too so they're kind of playing fast and loose with that for for obvious reasons i think what about you with her yeah well i who i mean how do we get to the bottom of this right because this a cnn report a couple of days ago said that her secret service detail swept the of course they have to right so they have to sweep the inside of the building and the outside of the building. But we've been told by the FBI that the pipe bombs were planted the night before. So did the Secret Service miss that? 
it's highly unlikely. So what's the story here? And of course, as you know, Liz, and our astute listeners know, um, we've never, the law enforcement has never identified the alleged pipe bomber. We have like these little quick like clips, grainy clips of some dude in Nikes and a hoodie walking in the general area, but you never see him actually plant any devices. He could just be some rando or he could be, you know, Ray Epps or another FBI informant. So, but why can the FBI use geofence warrants to collect cell phone data of every person in Washington, D.C. that day? Literally every person but they can't find this dude. And now it's even more egregious because if this is true that these were actual pipe bombs, FBI said that a robot detonated them later that day. Of course, we have no evidence of that. The FBI has never released any investigative report confirming that these were actually viable, which I'm sure that they weren't. So we still have the FBI is very tight-lipped about this. Um, But now we have not just a sitting U.S. senator, but an incoming vice president at a building where there were pipe bombs and there's no nationwide manhunt for this. No. And the FBI hasn't said this. No one. This apparently came out. And this is why these trials are going to be so revealing. Apparently, this came out in a Capitol Police timeline of that day, I believe, that was submitted in discovery in other cases, because what happened was. Allegedly, a woman who happened to be a government contractor for D.C., let's just leave it there, found the first pipe bomb at the head at the RNC headquarters. She alerted security at the RNC. They called Capitol Police. Capitol Police come. Then they go to DNC and suddenly find another pipe bomb after one o'clock. But Kamala Harris had been there since 1130. So this is huge discrepancies in these stories. Well, I know I mentioned this before, I think when we had on Ben Weingarten and we were talking about this, I I have questions about the actual bomb. So somebody set a bomb the night before and then it was going to go off at what time? Like it. Right. When was it going to detonate? Now, obviously, I've seen enough spy movies to know, you know, they could have like the big digital countdown, you know, where it's like 30, 29. 28 you know <laughs> will will you get will you snip the wire Jason Bourne, kind of right. <laughs> okay so something like that but according to reports the the timer on these bombs was like a kitchen timer which my kitchen timer goes up to an hour right so right. I don't have a kitchen timer like one of those ones where you turn the dial <laughs> you know it doesn't it's not like a 15 hour like it, I don't have a 15 hour long you know kitchen timer to 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 cook so if that's true were was this ever were these even actual dangerous bomb were they going to detonate i mean how does that work i i, I have i have no idea that. i don't know you have an egg timer some wire and like a plastic piece of pipe that's basically what it looked like so a, a robot had to detonate i mean come on liz this sounds don't we like usually get more information about bombs like when there's a real bomb you know what I mean like well shouldn't we get a lot more information considering that the incoming vice president and a sitting U.S. senator was you know right next to this bomb yeah I I think it's really strange I, I I have to say I I do not in any way shape or form believe that nobody knew where Kamala Harris like that people thought Kamala was in the Capitol when she wasn't because that's like if you're really trying to secure the perimeter, you know, against whatever an insurrection, you would immediately be like, where? I mean, I watch 24. I know you got you find the president. You know what I mean? You right. find the president or the vice president and you make sure they're safe. How how you not know unless there was something very intentional about making it look like she was in the Capitol when she wasn't. And they had to come forward and admit that she wasn't in the Capitol because it was going to come out in a court hearing, like right. in one of the court hearings. What does that make sense to you, Julie? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, 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 it does. Be- and here, and where was the media? The media wasn't trying to hunt down Kamala Harris. They were just like, Oh, okay. Well, she's not in the Senate chamber where she should be because right. She was a sitting U S Senator at the time or had she 
already given up her seat? Maybe she had. I don't know. Um, well, it, it's funny just to like contrast this with the way that any kind of assertion about Trump was was given and how it was immediately fact checked by like 50,000 different journalists. Like m- Trump went to go get a medical procedure done and then they stalked outside. Yeah. Walter Reed. And they were like, did he really just get, a, you know, a, a something, you know, did he really just get a test or did he really just get a routine colonoscopy or was it worse or, you know, like all this stuff. And meanwhile, on something like this, which, you know, if we take it at face value, is a very serious and dangerous, you know, someone tried to bomb the, you know, okay, the vice president. They got nothing. We got nothing. No curiosity. Nothing, but, okay. So I just looked this up. Um, Kamala Harris is a, was a sitting U.S. Senator. She was at the Capitol earlier that day. She claimed for a Senate intelligence briefing, which terrifying anyway, but she was at the Senate intelligence briefing. Wait, 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 wait. She was at the Senate on January 6th for an intelligence briefing. Yes. And on she January left. 6th. Okay. okay let's, uh-huh. let's, let's talk this out. She leaves. She goes to the DNC where reportedly she arrives at 1130. She does not stay, even though she is a senator. And all senators are staying for this. So she cared so much about making sure that this, you know, we certify the election. We don't overturn democracy, blah, blah, blah. She's so worried about that that she leaves, goes to the DNC. She's is there when they start the joint session of Congress, which is at one o'clock that day. Allegedly, she's evacuated out of the DNC around 115 after the bomb is discovered. Why was she not at the Senate? Why was she not? there for the joint session and she was she didn't resign her senate seat until january 18th so she was still a u.s senator at the time and i think that was the reason like on purpose because she could have resigned it before you know what i mean she could have immediately resigned her seat you know it she's a she was a california senator it's not like they were going to replace her with a republican you know what i mean she could have right there that's very those are very good questions that 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 kamala harris will never be asked Maybe the January 6th committee will ask. Maybe I bet Liz uh, Cheney and Adam Kinzinger will. I think that's 100 percent. That is not ever going to be asked ever. (laughs) Um, And we will never know the answer. And our media, our credentialed media, who's so smart, will never ask her about this at all. They have no curiosity. They don't care. So I don't even think they know about this. I really don't like this is just, again, one of those issues like Tucker had like an eight minute um, segment on this the other night, which was very informative. But there is really not a lot of interest. I mean, I've seen articles in Politico, obviously, to their credit, they were the ones who started covering this first. They uncovered this scandal initially, but it's not getting traction anywhere else. You're certainly not going to see it on CNN or MSNBC, where it was Kamala. Because they don't want to jeopardize disrupting this narrative one tiny bit. So they're just going to completely ignore it. Yeah, I mean, they believe in 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 by any means necessary, like locking up their political opponents yeah. and, and also setting an example so that there's no more people don't have the desire to get up and be uppity again. They want to dissuade people. Um, right. Hence the the SWAT raids and the no, you know, and the jackboots and getting the Mimas, locking them mm-hmm. up, spying on um, congressmen now, like Troy Niles. We didn't even get to that, but um, that's crazy. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll get there next week because it has actually been an hour. If there um, is a next week, Liz, you sound pretty optimistic, but oh so. no, there's going to be, there's, we're, we'll be here next week. I mean, <laughs> that's it. That's a done deal. We'll be here next week. And yeah, you will be, we will be here. We'll be together um, in like on the internet together. We're whenever I see Julie in person, but we never tape one of these days when we are together, we should do it. We should tape together for sure in the same room. Um, put that, we'll put it, that on the It end. would like, by, it would interfere with our eating time though, but that's okay. Oh, <laughs> we do. We go out to restaurants in Virginia, <laughs> obviously not in DC because Julie isn't welcome in DC. Um, and I'm not welcome either, probably for different reasons. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for joining us and spending an hour, a happy hour with Julie and Liz. 
We'll be back next week. And if you haven't subscribed, go to iTunes. You can subscribe to Happy Hour with Julian Liz and give us five stars. I haven't gone and checked our ratings lately. I'm going to go see, and it better still be at five stars. And better if it be. isn't, that means, listeners, you're not doing your job to make if us we're, keep If we're fun. not, we're taking ourselves off Spotify. That's it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we're, just, we're telling Spotify to suck it. We're not even on Spotify, by the way. <laughs> But that's fine. That's fine. We'll get there one day. And when we get there, we'll leave. All right. We're going to get on Spotify and then we're going to immediately leave because they will not get rid of who? Pick a band. You two. Until they. Um, Sammy Hagar's fronting Van Van Halen's songs. That's enough. (laughs) That's enough. (laughs) All right. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.